Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I forgot one word for the sisters. Uh, one more case for you sisters. And so here it is. So this is a word for the sisters. Um, in, chapter, uh, in Acts chapter 17, uh, you have Paul. Uh, um, uh, uh, there was a description about uh, that's this place in Berea. You know, so-called today, they call them Bereans. And uh, these are people who are more noble than the Thessalonians. And it says that they examine the scriptures daily. Examine the scriptures daily. And uh, the important thing in, in this case regarding the sisters was that um, in mentioning um, uh, these, uh, these believers, um, particularly, um, uh, it was noted that, uh, let me see, where, where am I? Uh, uh, chapter 17, um, it says, um, uh, for they received the word, listen, um, with all eagerness. You know, again, attitude. Uh, this weekend, I have a big burden about attitude. Not even just about the word itself, but um, about our attitude toward that word. You know, attitude means everything. Uh, how you regard someone or how you regard a certain situation or how you regard a certain matter. Your attitude, your approach determines um, a lot uh, what will take place, what will happen. And so here they receive the word not kind of in a minimal way, but with all eagerness. Do you see that eagerness, that, that attitude there? There's a kind of seriousness. There's a kind of sincerity. There's a kind of exercise there. Examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Um, so they were checking the Old Testament almost against what Paul was preaching just to make sure, right? And therefore many of them believed. And there were not a few Greek women of high standing and men. Now, why was that particularly mentioned? I don't know, but it must have impressed the writer, probably Luke in this case. There were a few Greek women of high standing. These are not just women, uh, uh, you know, like country folks. These are educated Greek-knowing uh, women. And these women were there also examining the scriptures. So this is my last word to the sisters, uh, that you should not uh, despise yourself and just um, um, uh, disregard yourself uh, just because you're a sister, as far as this matter of studying the word, this matter of knowing the word is concerned, you should know the word just like the brothers do. I really mean that. You may not give a message, as I said, like, like I am doing. You, you, you shun the, 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 the Bible quite explicitly. Um, uh, discourages uh, sisters to 
uh, speak in this kind of a way. But this is just a small part of our church life. A larger part is just a lot of occasions and opportunities for one-on-one and small group situation where sisters should be free, you know, taking their position and not, you know what I mean, not overreaching, um, you know, knowing their place. That's, that's all important. But nevertheless, to speak, even in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, the sisters actually are allowed to speak, to prophesy. All can prophesy one by one, um, as long as they do it in a proper kind of a way. Um, I'm not here to just promote the sisters or anything like that. But let me tell you, that a church will be quite blessed if there is a contingent of sisters that are like that. They are proper sisters. They know their place. They're not here to take over. They're not, you know, the brassy type. You, you know what I'm saying. But yet, they're spiritual. They really are spiritual, and they are in the Word. They dive into the Word, and they know the they have the revelation. They see things in the word. And they would what? They would have the ability to uh, teach uh, in this kind of a small situation, one-on-one situation of the truth of God's word and um, to minister Christ uh, with uh, the word of God. And this would be marvelous. And also, of course, in a small group situation, and even the prophesying meeting that we call today. So here's a word for you sisters, okay? Amen. Uh, I, I heard uh, some sisters are quite happy about this afternoon. Uh, others feel uh, quite uh, burdened by me. Uh, like I put a lot of pressure on them. Um, I, I think it's a matter of attitude again. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, I, I did uh, uh, challenge the sisters. I did um, uh, say something to the sisters in, in quite a serious way. I did. But that's not because I, um, I want to um, heap um, unbearable burdens on the sisters. That's because I esteem the sisters. Tell you the truth. I am one who esteem the sisters of the church. If you don't know me, that's what I am. That's who I am. Um, and I esteem, esteem them because in my experience, uh, how much help I receive from sisters, and also in my church life and in my service, how much I observe sisters that are so useful uh, in the church life in this regard. Not just cooking, not just doing laundry, not just making up the beds, not just providing hospitality. All those are very needful and very, very wonderful thing for the sisters to do. Um, but, but, but we need sisters that are spiritual among us. Not in that kind of cuckoo way, right? That kind of uh, funny way. Uh, but in a proper kind of a way. Um, in the campuses, we need more sisters that can teach the, the young ones. 
you see, with the word of God. Uh, it, it, it says in, in Titus that uh, the, older, uh, the older women should train the younger women how to be, you see. And all this is considered even part of the teaching, the apostles' teaching. Can you believe it? So um, I do, I, I, I am challenging the sisters to be such. A, then the church life, our church life everywhere would be full and much enriched. Without the sisters' portion, our, our, our meetings would be half empty, probably more than half empty, if the sisters just leave everything to the brothers. No, no, no. Sisters, you should get into the word um, as a believer. All right? I hope, I, hope, I hope you get what I'm saying. Now, um, tonight, um, uh, I uh, still cannot get off from this morning's burden. So you have to excuse me. I'm going to not follow the outline entirely. Um, you know, that is in, in your hands. Uh, because I need to finish my burden from this morning, which is, which is um, a bit of the centerpiece of this weekend. So uh, we were talking about pray reading, uh, or uh, to use my term, to pray the word. I, I, I choose to use this term just to get us out of that word pray reading which may conjure up a certain kind of uh, idea or impression within you, which may not be entirely accurate. In fact, that concept that you possess of pre-reading may be itself an obstacle to your experience of the spirit word. So I don't use the word pre-reading. I just say pray the word. I want to let you know, uh, uh, saints, um, uh, well, how about this? How about we, we get into this, just put it over here. I'm going to get back into it. Uh, I would like to spend some time, uh, a little time uh, tonight to finish this sheet that you got uh, this morning uh, on the enjoying the word of God as God's loving seekers. You know, you remember that? That you're supposed to laminate, yeah? That sheet. There are uh, four items here, actually, if I'm correct. I, I hope I'm reading the right sheet along with you. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, that page called, Enjoying the Word of God as His Loving Seekers. I want to, you to write down four words um, that are um, uh, in, important here. Um, And so, uh, Roman numeral one um, on how the Old Testament. See now, this is all based on Psalm one nineteen. You have to go back to that Psalm, and you have to read the footnotes in that Psalm. Maybe this is a time, good time to give you a post-conference assignment. All right. So the conference doesn't end tomorrow. This is just a kickoff point. You have an assignment now. The first thing when you go back this week is to read Psalm 119. And don't just kind of read it, uh, study it a little bit. It's the longest psalm in the, all of the, in the Psalms. Uh, 
And um, if you can, I would strongly suggest that you get into those few messages uh, somewhere around in the mid 50s, 56, 57, 58, or thereabouts. You, you can find it in the life study of, ex, uh, of, 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 um, of Exodus, not Psalms. Life study of Exodus, where Brother Lee talk about the law, the law that was given uh, to Israel, and how that law would, depends on attitude again, how you treat that law will determine what kind of person you are. One way is to treat the law as something to keep as God's commandments by your own strength. And the result is you will enter under this, you'll be in the slavery of that law because you can never fulfill it. And that's what most of Israel did, who said, we will do it. Little did they know that law is not for them to do. That law is for them to enjoy. They got onto the wrong track. And what a blunder. What a tragedy um, as a result. So, brotherly, talk about the night side of the law and the day side of the law. So the law keepers are those who are in the night side of the law. But then we have these loving seekers, godly men, in, uh, who wrote some of these psalms, especially Psalm 119, um, uh, on their love for the law. The same law. The same commandments. But there, they did not treat it as th- commandments merely for them to keep. They were there just delighting in it, loving it, enjoying it, treasuring it. They were, they were, they were in the right place with the right attitude. So the law became not demands but supply. Actually, the law is nothing more than a photograph of God, the testimony of God. That means it is a picture of God. And that is not for you to try to act like. Try to act like God. It's like a monkey trying to act like man. So don't try to do that. Enjoy it. Take it in. And pretty soon you will be God by enjoying himself in his word. So uh, that's the background. So in Roman numeral one, your word here should be prerequisite. This is the prerequisite. How... Do I become such a person who enjoy the word like they enjoy the law? Today we enjoy the word of God. There's some prerequisites. And number one, I'm going to be very quick. You have to seek God with all of your heart. How can you enjoy the word if you don't even seek God himself? You are treating the word, God's word, and God as two different things. That will never work. You have to be a God seeker to enjoy God's word. That's a prerequisite. You have to love the Lord. You have to love God with all your heart. Then his word will come alive. Then his word will be living to you. Prerequisite number two, you have to love God's name. This is in in, uh, Psalm 119. So... You have to love, oh Lord Jesus. You know, in my personal prayer reading, I uh, personally, by myself, 
I don't use the word say amen that much. It's kind of weird to say amen to yourself. <laughs> I hear some brothers do it. It's kind of weird, you know, amening yourself. But I will tell you, my prayer reading is full of Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Receive the word of the Spirit. Lord Jesus, receive. Amen, right? Something like this. So, you have to call on the Lord's name. Actually, I cannot pray read without the Lord's name. Yeah, I, I, can, I don't know how you do it. That, then I descend into da-da-da, amen, da-da-da, amen. You know? It's not a prayer. It's a formal, mechanical repeating of something. You just tack a word, amen. And no wonder we don't get that much out of our prayer reading. It's a mechanical exercise. I tell you, when you say, oh Lord, mix in with, your, with the word, I tell you, that turns the word into prayer. So try that. Call on the Lord. Okay, number three, they entreat God's face. They want God's face. So again, the Augustinian quote, right? Treat the word of God, uh, the, the scriptures as the face of God. So come to God's face. Every time you open the Bible, see his face. Look for his face. That means look for his presence. You just want his presence. That's why you come to the word. You don't come to the word just for information. You don't just come to the word for anything but God's own presence. You're, you're right. You, 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 you're the right person now. You got the right attitude. Okay, next one. They ask God's face to shine on them. Not just God's face, but God's face would shine when you come to his word. If you're this kind of person, the word is always open to you. Always living to you. Trust me. Uh, e, they walk in God's presence. You know, if we don't walk in the Lord's presence, we don't walk with the Lord, we're just walking... One leg in the world, another, another leg uh, uh, um, 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 in sin, and, and, and another leg uh, in... I, I'll tell you, you can come to the Bible all you want. The Bible is like a closed book. Because you're not fulfilling certain basic prerequisites. You're the wrong person to come to the Word. You're, you're, you're wrong. So the, so the book is like locked up. To you. So you have to have a certain daily walk. You have to walk in the Lord, with the Lord. Then you're the right person to come to the Word. Uh, uh, some some uh, uh, people, uh, I think including Brother Whit, uh, Watchman, he said uh, that um, reading and studying the Bible depends on the person, not on the method. You know, we like, you know, what's the, give me an app, you know. That's the best method to study the Bible. You can get 10 of the best apps, but you're the wrong guy. You're wrong. Those apps won't help you. It's not the technique, it's your being, your person, whether you're right with the Lord or not. This is a huge, big principle. Okay? Um, 
Another uh, famous saying is, what kind of word a person will read that kind of a Bible? Now, it's kind of strange sounding. That means it's the same book. But after you read it, you just find all kinds of funny stuff. You know, there's a lot of funny stuff in the Bible. And you just pick up all the funny stuff. Or if you are um, a, a moralist, you can go to the Bible and pick up a lot of good stuff on morality. And you spout these things and say, hey, I know the Bible now. You don't know the Bible. You miss God. You just pick up the moral things because you are in that realm. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, so the Bible is there, but the persons are different. So when we come to the Word, there's a great exercise to become the right person so that the Word will always be open to us. Finally, they consider God's law to be God's Word. Okay, the second Roman numeral that you have on this is the word attitude. Okay, after prerequisites, prerequisites you need all these 26 points, A to Z, which I quickly read last night, that all have to do with your attitude, your, 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 your approach uh, to God's word, how you regard the word of God, how you treat the word of God. So please read Psalm 119 and read those few um, um, uh, uh, life study messages in Exodus and you'll be quite enlightened. I don't have the time. Roman 3, you have the, this, the word here is function. This, uh, uh, some points here tell us from Psalm 119, all the great functions of the word. And I'm going to be very quick. A, as God's living word, the law functions to minister the living God to his seekers. So the first function of the law, the first function of the word of God is to, in fact, minister God himself to you. Never forget this. Even before learning the truth, even before all these things that are wonderful, or even getting revel certain revelation, the primary function is to minister God himself into us. Amen. The element, the essence of God to be transmitted into us, that's the job of the law. The function of the law. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. B, as God's living word, the law functions to dispense God. This is the same point, but a little uh, more um, uh, description. To dispense God himself as life and light into those who love the law. God as life, God as light is dispensed into us by the word. C, as God's living word, the law functions to restore man's soul and makes man's heart joyous. I tell you, if you're the right person, you come to the Word, no matter what part of the Word you touch, I tell you, it restores your soul. Amen. I mean, it absolutely restores your soul. Amen. Your mind, emotion, and will. Sometimes I just feel I'm just totally discombobulated. You know that long word? I'm just kind of not in a good situation. I'm just not, not, not in a good state. I, I, I just don't know what's going on. I tell you, try coming to the living word and pray read it a little bit. Amen. It will calm your soul. Amen. It will. It will. 
It will re even restore your soul and make your heart joyous. It really does. And just even this last week, I was for a day or two, I just don't know where I was. It's, it's very strange. It's just kind of some anxiety there and some um, just unhappiness there and just not right, something not right in my soul, in my soul. Then I w was in Psalms, and I, was, I told you I was in Psalm 16, and I began to read concerning Christ. My, I tell you, when I read and so forth, my soul got restored, and I got headed up again, and the situation is in peace. Nothing changed outwardly, but inwardly, I was made right, and my heart became joyous. Dear brothers and sisters, this is not some psychological thing, you know, imagined things, thing. This is very, very real, very real. Um, we, we don't need to pop those pills. We just need the word of God. Amen. D, as a living word, the law functions to bring us salvation. The, Lord, the word save us, bring us salvation. E, as a living word, the law functions to strengthen, comfort, and nourish. Aren't these all wonderful words? My goodness. Oh, oh. Don't you need strengthened? Really, really. I mean, you just feel so weak one day. You need strengthening. You need comfort. We all need a lot of comforting um, and a lot of nourishing. The Word provides that. F, as God's living Word, the law functions to uphold us, to keep us safe and cause us to have hope. Amen and amen. So this is absolutely real. When you pray, read, all these things happen. All these things happen. And G, as God's living word, the law causes us to enjoy God as our portion. No doubt about that. H, as God's living word, the law causes us to enjoy God's countenance and the shining of his face. That's a function of the word to bring God's face to us. I, as God's living word, the law causes us to enjoy God as our hiding place and shield and also enjoy God's help and well-dealing. That the Old Testament saints really experienced that when they touched the law in a proper way. So today, much more so in the New Testament, much more so. J, as God's living word, the law functions to make us wise and give us understanding. We need wisdom. We need understanding. The word gives us that. K, as God's living word, the law functions to give us proper discernment and knowledge. Sometimes you don't have that much discernment. I tell you, the word provides the discernment. I don't know how many times uh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know certain decision to be made. I touch the word. I pray, read the word. Or sometimes I am with some brothers. We're in the word together. And just in that process, and what we are touching has nothing to do with my decision. Nothing. 
But just by being in that word, I got clear. You say, no, I'll tell you no. It's not imagined. It's not some psychological uh, mental exercise here. No, it's very, very real. Um, uh, where, where as God's living word, the law functions to keep us from sinning and from every evil way. The word really keeps us. Young brothers and sisters, there's a lot of temptation out there all over the place today of the terrible, most terrible sort. What will keep you from sinning, from the evil way? Spend more time in the word Amen. and less time on, you know, you know what? You will be saved, practically saved from sin, from evil, from temptation. As God's living word, the law keeps us from stumbling, establishes our footsteps and causes us to overcome iniquity. It gives us the strength to overcome. Dear brothers and sisters, it establishes us. You know, to this day, you know, I'm 60 something. I live quite a long time on this earth. And have accumulated in a fair amount of human experience. I know, I know how difficult it is to navigate life. To make the right decision. To not do the wrong thing. Um, to make bad mistakes. Yeah? What preserved me? I look back, even tonight if I look back. In most of the major decisions of my life since the Lord revived me and called me, I cannot say I made every decision right. I dare not boast in that way. But I can say most of my life's decision since that point has been the right decision. Has been the right decision. And that's because not because I'm smart or I'm better than you. No, no. I tell you, the Lord kept me from stumbling. The Lord preserved me and established my footsteps. And that has everything to do with his word. Abiding in his word. So, right, he says... Abide in me and my word will abide in you. All right? So that is the safekeeping. Number four is just one word, blessings. Associated with um, having the word. Number one, uh, I'll be very quick. Um, we will enjoy his word as a realm of light. Isn't that a blessing? You, you're just in a realm of light. You know, you, you get out of here, everything is just dark, even pitch black. You don't even know what's what. But once you're in this realm of light, my, you know. You know what's north, you know what's south. You really do. And then receive the blessing of light becoming life. Let there be light, and then out of that light, life Life was formed. This is in Genesis 1. 
So the principle, the divine principle, is light comes first, and out of light there would be life. That is a blessing, the blessing of life. What, what, what greater blessing than that? The commanded blessing of life. See, we receive the blessing of being water and of absorbing God. We would be like a tree planted by the waters, watered and absorbing, right? And nourished to grow. And then the next one, the blessing of inhaling God. What a blessing. I mean, I mean think about it. You're inhaling God. Now, now I don't know what, what greater blessing is there that, than to inhale God himself. We actually do this when we pray the God-breathed word. The next one is the blessing of enjoying God as their portion. We mentioned this before. And F, the blessing of enjoying God's countenance and the shining of the face. We mentioned that. Then there are other blessings that come through the word. Um, that is not in those life studies, but in the crystallization study of Exodus. Restoration, deliverance, strength, comfort, nourishing, upholding and safeguard. These are all the wonder, wonderful matters related to the word. Prerequisite, attitude that's on our side, then the function and the blessing that is on the word's side. Oh, what a Christian life. Right, brothers and sisters, what a Christian life. It need not be so uh, so impoverished. It need not be so stale. It not, need not be so weak. It should be rich. It should be strong. Right? Uh, it should be full of joy. Um, it should be full of salvation. And the word is key here. Now, with this, uh, I come to uh, some burden and that is to continue uh, our fellowship this afternoon concerning um, prayer reading. And so, firstly, I forgot to mention the fourth level of prayer reading. I was, I was uh, not rebuked, but uh, somewhat uh, charged that I, I forgot the fourth level. Actually, I mentioned it already. I actually mentioned already, yeah. Um, the first, just to remind us all, this is all for practice, brothers and sisters. This is all for our practice and experience. The first one is a simple repeating of the word. I don't despise that. We have to start there. And some younger ones, you, you start there. Just repeat the word. And you say an amen. amen. It's not a small thing. You're not reading. You try it with the newspaper. Nothing will happen. <laughs> you can amen all you want. Uh, nothing will happen. Okay? But if you pray, read the word of God, something will happen. Amen. You say amen to it. You know, by the way, I would like to say that a lot of our problems in our 
current kind of pre-reading is, remember, it's, it's formality. And it's, uh, it's being uh, mechanical. And sometimes I even use the word robotic. That means you just, it's just motions. Um, your mind is not working. Not all your being is engaged. You're just using your mouth, your eyes, and you just repeat something. You, you just say an amen. So that will not work so well. You may simply repeat the word and say amen. But if your whole being is engaged... Okay, if your heart is really there sincerely, I tell you, that pre-reading will work. Then, then, I would say, that is the first level, right? Um, The second level is what I call emphasis emphasis pre-reading, or stress pre-reading, or strike pre-reading. And that is, now you are using your spirit in a more intense manner, in a stronger way, to what? To sort of chew. Are you with me? To, to crush the shell. To break open the, the husk, the skin, and get to the meat. So... Um, You know, a lot of times the, the good stuff is, needs some effort, you know. Um, and that's what I'm talking about. The word is there. It, it's full. It's, it's rich. It's nourishing. But you have to exercise to get to the meat, uh, the nourishing part. And so you must exercise your spirit more. So they're saying, by the way, I would say... One reason why our prayer reading has regressed is due to the fact that our exercise of the Spirit has regressed. We don't apply our Spirit, use our Spirit in a strong enough way. And so, when we come to the Word, we get this far, but we never got that far. It's, I, I liken it you give me something, I just licked it. Did I get something? Absolutely. Is it tasteful? Totally. Did I get full? No. Did I get really nourished? No. Did I go get what I need for the day? No. A lot of our prayer reading is like this. So the result is the saints. They really are not They are actually malnourished. You say, I pray, read. I I do my amen in the morning for 10 minutes. Yeah, you did your amen in the the morning. You tasted something. You get some fleeting enjoyment. You did. It's real. But not enough food. Not enough serious nourishment that will keep you going for the day. That will save you. That will strengthen you. You didn't get that. Those riches, those deeper riches of Christ. So you and I have to exercise the spirit a little bit more. 
And if you feel you are, don't have that kind of a practice or strength, try it with a few brothers. They will help you. Or sisters, come together. And, and, and let them pull you along. But eventually, no one can eat for you. Therefore, you still have to exercise. And I did a lot of that. I told you I came into the church life through a prayer reading session exactly like that. And I broke through. I broke through. In the beginning. Don't just, in the beginning. Amen, in the beginning. In the beginning. Sisters, can you do that? In the beginning. You say, oh, you don't need to wave your hand like this. You know, come on, we don't need to be so, you know, uh, it's, uh, so loud. You know, we don't, you know, God, is God deaf? Uh, I mean, he, he's hard of hearing, you know, so you need to shout to him. No, no, you know, the loudness, the exercise of the spirit is not for God's sake, it's for your sake. I tell you, when you are not so strongly exercised, you can still be halfway, at least, in the mind. A lot of us pray read in the mind. Sorry to say this. You know, I'm in FTTA, and sometimes, not now, in the old days, I go and look at the trainees having morning revival. You know, some of them sit behind a rock, you know. Some of them sit over here in, in the premises of the, uh, the training center. I look at them, I say, what are they doing? One eye to the right, one eye to the left, getting revived. Not one bit revived. After those 10, 20 minutes, they got more dead. The whole time they're in their mind. They're in their mind. And some of us just read gave up and just read the Holy Word for morning revival. After you read it, you know, even you use a highlighter. Oh, praise the Lord, I had a morning revival. You didn't have any revival, you just read something. Something great, something wonderful. But your spirit was never awakened. Your spirit was never exercised. So the result is day after day after day after day, you got into a habit of thinking that you are doing the right thing when actually you never, never touch God. You never, never really touch the life in the Word. You never breathe in the Lord. So you never got revived and you're not vitalized and you have to trudge on in your church life. Slog on in your church life without the supply. You say, I'm doing it. I'm doing what I should be doing. Dear saints, I really hope that many of you, if you're like this, you will break this vicious cycle and come into another place. Now that's why I'm laboring so much this weekend. I know these things sound like, whoa, not so high. Not, but I have observed many saints, their problem is not that they don't love the Lord, they don't care for the truth, or they don't... No, no, it's because they have built up a wrong habit. They did not get, they did not get the wonders of prayer reading. Amen. You know, I mentioned this morning the Spirit and the Word, the two great gifts from God. All right? Let me tonight tell you something more. 
The gift is the Spirit, the life-giving Spirit, God himself, right? That's very clear. The Word, my goodness, I'll tell you, the Word is wonderful. The eternal Word is God. The living Word is Christ. The written Word is the Bible. Am I right? And the Spirit Word. Aha. Now I come to this point. You have the Spirit here, and you have the Word here. Let me tell you, all Christians have this. A true believer all have these two things, the Spirit within and the Word without. How come some Christians are just dead and weak and defeated? while others are vital, living, strong, and overcoming. Is it because of their DNA? No. They're all sons of God. We all are. Am I right? I tell you, a lot has to do with the way they handle these two gifts of God. We all have it. But tonight, I would like to tell you, what is the way to derive the maximum profit and benefit and blessing by these two gifts, divine gifts? Very simple. Mix them together. You know, uh, are there chemists here? Chemists? I I don't know. You're a chemist? Okay, all right. All right, he's a chemist. Um, so you have um, chemicals that certain chemicals by themselves, there's, there's nothing. It's just there. Some powder, whatever it is. Am I right? But with the right uh, ratio of mix, with the right you know, combination, am I right? You put it together. It explodes. It explodes. Or in a negative way, even a lot of poison gas is by mixing two pretty benign gases. You understand? But once you do, it becomes deadly. Now that's bad. That's, that's negative. But the principle of chemistry, I mean even nitrogen and, and oxygen, two to one, am I right? Whatever it is. You put those two together, water. What, what, is that water? Huh? What did I say? Oh, no, 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 no. You're right. Nitrogen and oxygen together are, they have to be proper ratios. Yeah. Hydrogen and oxygen, we get water. Crazy. Yeah, okay. Don't you want water? Don't we need water? Yes. The living water. Yes. Okay, we got what? Hydrogen. And we got oxygen. We got the spirit. We got the word. Water. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, this is God. 
in function, in operation. Ask the Spirit and the Word. But it's up to us to mix them together. It's up to us to mingle them in our experience. And let me tell you, the way is to exercise our spirit to pray the word. By exercising our spirit, we bring effectively the word and the spirit together. And it becomes drinkable. Just the spirit you know, today we have Christians. Some are just spirit. You know what I mean. It's just, oh, spirit. And then you have some over here that's just a ghost, you know, uh, Holy Ghost. Uh, even King James Bible is Holy Ghost. They, they, they don't care for anything ghostly. They just want to study the Bible. They really do study the Bible, study the Bible. These people become, they become wild, they become off, they become funny, they become somewhat strange. They sniff too much oxygen or, or hydrogen. They're just a balloon, you know. And over here, these people are just all oxygen, right? <laughs> Whatever. Their head gets this big. <laughs> I tell you, today, really, Pentecostalism, fundamentalism, somewhat like that. But brothers and sisters, we are the balanced ones. We come back to the word and find what the word says. The word says both are God. But both are to be put together. Then we have the proper experience of God. As water or as whatever. All as our portion. So tonight I am just still burdened to tell you how in this light important the practice of praying the word is. It's not a church side practice. This is it. And so I would like to tell you that this tradition of praying the word is not new. It's not just us, so called in the recovery. So you can go and get the book called Lord Thou Setst that was put out in the 70s that somebody did some research and come up with quotes from different key figures in Christian history how they quote quote pray read without using that term necessarily. I look at it actually I feel I have a burden to come up with a new edition with a lot more stories and accounts and testimonials by the past saints. I tell you, all the ones who know the Lord as life, sooner or later will stumble on this fact and will get into this kind of practice. Maybe not in the same way we do it, but in, in principle, they found the word and the spirit by prayer. I'm going to just... 
mention a few. You don't need to write it down. You can go get that book. Ambrose, who is Augustine's teacher. Um, he said, we ought, I'm, I'm going to read some. This is quite enjoyable. We ought for a long while to bruise and refine the utterances of the heavenly scriptures. <laughs> Exerting our whole mind and heart upon them. That the sap of that spiritual food may diffuse itself into all the veins of our soul. <laughs> Don't you love that? <laughs> now, now that's some utterance, okay? Uh, and you cannot create them. This, this man, this, 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 uh, this brother have actually gotten it. First, he um, um, uh, um, he exert his whole mind and heart. I'm sure he used his spirit so that the sap of that, that means the, the, the juice of that spiritual food, that's the word because it says the heavenly scriptures may diffuse itself in all the veins of our soul. That means digestion infusion, assimilation. This is Ambrose. Augustine. I've been talking about Augustine. Uh, this is his, his, his prayerful longing. Augustine's prayerful longing was to confess to the Lord the entire Bible. Did you hear me? He would actually speak the Bible back to God as a confession. That means read it aloud to God. Like, 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 does God need anyone to read the Bible back to him? I don't know. But I'm sure he doesn't mind if you do it. Let me confess. He used this word confess. Let me confess unto thee. This is a prayer. Whatsoever I shall find in thy books. And hear the voice of praise. And drink in thee, and meditate on the wonderful things out of thy law, even from the beginning, wherein thou madest the heaven and the earth, Genesis 1, unto the everlasting reigning of thy holy city with thee, Revelation 22. Amen. The whole Bible. The whole Bible, Augustine wanted to confess it, and in this confessing, he will praise, he will drink, he will meditate. If this is not prayer reading, I don't know what this is. You know, he's the one who wrote The City of God. The great Christian classic. He wrote the book Confessions. Great Christian classic. Augustine. Luther. Okay, Martin Luther. The great German reformer. He related his own experience of his dependence on the word of God for his prayer. And how he needed prayer. Even in his, his study. Of the scripture. He learned the secret. Of mingling. Hydrogen. And oxygen. The, the word. With the spirit. In his prayer. So. Here he is replying to a friend about the best method to study the scripture. It is very certain that we cannot attain to the understanding of the scripture either by study or by the intellect. 
your first duty is to begin by prayer. Of course, in this case, he's talking about studying the word to be preceded by prayer. It is true. The first, that means the first thing when we contact God's word must not be our mind or our intellect. That will follow. But the first thing is we must touch the word, the spirit word, with our spirit by means of all prayer. All kinds of prayer. You just pray. And how, what better than to pray with the very word of God. One Philip Jacob Spenner, he's a German pietist, right, uh, from the 1600s. He said, let it, that is the word, penetrate inwardly into your heart and allow the heavenly food to be digested there. Digested there. So that you get the benefit of its vitality and power. You know, the word is powerful. It has a vivifying effect. It enlivens the word. But, to get its benefit, that word has to penetrate into our inner being and it needs to be digested by us, received, assimilated by us. Then its power will come forth. If it's just outside, it's just in our understanding, merely, it's not, you may get the concept of it, right? You get the idea. You know, let's say you, you read that word. I can do all things in him who empowers me. You got it. I got the information. I like it. Let me tell you, it almost does you not that much good. The thing is, how are you experiencing that verse? Of what? Of that empowering one. Let me tell you, try praying that word. I can. You pray. Even sometimes, I tell you, it's, I would even call shout reading. No, no, I'm not joking. Declare reading. Proclaim reading. Sometimes the atmosphere is so oppressive. And you just need to break through. And so, I, I, I do this from time to time. I can. Amen. Lord, I can. Amen. Your word says I can. Amen. I say amen. amen. I can. Amen. I can do all things. Amen. Not just something, but all things. Amen. I can do all things. Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I can do all things. Amen. You see what I'm doing? I'm not just gotten a piece of good information that I can do all things. I'm actually eating the can-do one. I am actually eating the powerful one. I'm not just relishing that prospect of being in power. I'm right now actually accessing the power plant itself. And this million watts is right now being... I'm getting electrocuted. I'm getting electrified by the spirit word. And I'm right now being empowered. 
So that ceases to be just an objective doctrine. It becomes now my present experience. I just ate God. But to do that, you have to use your spirit. You cannot not use your spirit and expect to eat this. Because this is juicy. This is something you need to crack the nut shell to get to the meat. You know, you eat crabs, you know. I hate eating crabs. Ah, you break, ah, only a little piece of meat, you know. All this effort, just a little piece of meat. Dear saints, I tell you, I hope in the church life, oh, we will build up a culture of prayer reading. Uh, What is that song that says, uh, everywhere the sound of prayer reading? We, we, We have some song like that. The sound of prayer reading is everywhere. Oh, we we cannot sing it with a good conscience nowadays because that's not the case. But in the old days, oh my goodness, everywhere you turn, somebody's pray reading. I mean, it was a culture. Pray reading is not some optional side thing. Pray reading is church culture. We live by pray reading. And, and And the church life was filled with dynamism and impact like you couldn't believe. We were not like a plane that is just have enough fuel just to circle on the tarmac and never take off. It's not enough fuel, just enough to just circle around. What kind of plane is that? I mean, to take off, especially from Orange County Airport, because of the neighbor's full throttle. I mean, the plane goes, woo, like this. That at, you know, 3,000 feet, then it drops down to, I mean, to do this, the kind of thrust and lift that is needed, you need full power. I see some saints, dear, wonderful, good saints, never taken off in their Christian life, just circling. Come to the meeting, they're doing the things, circling, moving. They're not dead. They're moving. Always on the tarmac. I never seen them soar. Soar. I never seen them overcome gravity, which is the most powerful force yet discovered. Or electromagnetic, one of those. But gravity is a pretty big one. You need a lot of power to overcome gravity. And we are supposed to soar in Christ. Am I right? Positionally, we're in the heavens. But how about experientially? Just many even churches. After a few years, I came back. They're still circling the terminal. A few years ago, they're circling. Now they're circling another terminal. Still in the same airport. Yeah. It just saddens me. I said, when are you going to take off? When are you going to take off? No. Now, there are many reasons, there are many factors, but tonight I identify one key one. And that's fuel. 
shortage of fuel, spiritual fuel. And you cannot manufacture it by, by your flesh, by your strength. It doesn't work. But you got hydrogen, you got oxygen, you mix them every day. Let me tell you, this will become not just a jet, this will become a rocket. That will not only take you to the moon, it will take you to Mars. In fact, it will take you to the third heavens. That should not be a rare occurrence. Oh, every 30 years I, I, I touch the third heavens. What? You should touch third heavens much often than that. I am not here to promote some emotional high. You know, I'm just high emotionally in the Lord or whatever it is. No, no, don't worry. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not promoting that. Neither am I promoting that you go jump up and down and do some crazy thing and do cartwheels while you pray read. No, I'm not for that. Okay? I'm for being sober-minded. I'm for being normal. But in the range of normality, brothers and sisters, there's too much that have escaped our experience. We need a recovery of praying the word. We desperately need a recovery of praying the word. You will see how it will revolutionize your personal life and our meeting life, our church life. George Whitfield. You all know George Whitfield, the great evangelist, the Wesley Brothers contemporaries. He said this, my mind being now more open and enlarged, I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees, laying aside all other books and praying over, if possible, every line and word. This proof meat indeed, M-E-A-T, and drink indeed in my soul. I daily receive fresh life and light and power from above. Here is a person who prayed read on his knees. The word. Now, he is a great preacher with a booming voice that he can preach in outdoors to 15,000 people in a square, in a field. He was known for that. You know where that power comes from? It's not from him. It's come, it come, there's a source here. There's a source here. Brothers and sisters, don't we need to open the word and pray every line and every word to be empowered and refreshed and strengthened in the same way? It's possible. I'm not, all that I'm talking here is not unreachable stuff or just for some saints or some brothers. No, it's for all of us. But we do need to practice. So I would like to give the next assignment besides 119. Huh? Your first assignment is to laminate those two sheets. <laughs> I'm just joking. Is to go to Psalm 119 and look at it. And if possible to look at those life studies in Exodus. But I like all of you. 
besides getting into all the stuff that I have passed on to you, is to begin to practice. Um, personally, yes, but I would also say corporately. Uh, so I like to say this. Develop an attitude, meaning the right attitude, all right? Develop. You may not have it, but, but develop it. Develop this right attitude towards the word. Um, number two, acquire a taste. It's all about taste. You wouldn't know what I'm talking about here, up here, if you don't have that taste. You just said, well, that brother said this is wonderful, but that's that brother. Have you tasted this? Once you have tasted this, you would want it. Because it's highly addictive. Highly pleasant. Highly enjoyable. It's real. You have to acquire the taste for praying the word. And the supply and the, and the satisfaction and the joy uh, that you get from such living practice. All right? Number three, cultivate a habit. Cultivate. It's all about habit. Don't just do it once in a great while or when you feel inspired to do it, I would say do it daily. Yourself, right, and with others. You don't need a long session, but sometimes it's not bad to have a long session because it trains your spirit. It makes your spirit strong. And sometimes you just need to dig that much to hit the gusher. Sometimes, you know, in my personal prayer reading, not every time I pray, read, and I say, whoa, I got it. No. There are times I have to labor for five minutes, ten minutes, until I touch the water in the Word. But if I give up at minute five, I never reach water. Do you see what I'm saying? So don't just give up because you don't feel it, or you, don't, you have not touched that spot, or that 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 the spirit, don't give up. Continue and exercise until you touch it and that taste will remain with you. To this day, brothers and sisters, I almost live by that taste. I almost live by that taste. That taste daily draws me. The taste of God, right? Daily draws me back to himself. It's not a routine. It's not a, someone forcing me to do something. You know, I need the fix, you know. You understand what I'm saying? I need the Lord. I need Him. Every day. But if not, you don't have the taste, you don't care for it. Whether you have it, you don't have it, you can still go about your day quite fine. Because you did not have that acquired that particular taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Number four. Number four. Produce a model. Produce a model. That means in yourself, you become a kind of a model, and your church become a model, a kind of a model of this kind of praying with the word. A whole church just loving the word, and enjoying the word, right, and really living the word. Today, in the Lord's recovery, we're filled with riches, filled with the highest revelations, right? Filled with the deepest truths. So much so, you know, I told the brothers, right, the other day, I said I put together on a sheet of paper 52 or 3 major truths recovered by Watchman Nee. And another 35 or so major truth recovered by Witness Lee. And I can show you. These are not foot washing. These are not minor leaves of the truth. I'm talking these are basic truth, fundamental truth, even central truths. We are full, brothers. We, we are just, just full of these riches. But I think that is not the problem. I think the problem is our application of these truths, our experience of these truths, our living out of these truths. That's the shortage. And this is why a weekend like this, I didn't bring more truth to you, not because I have no truth, but because I'm burdened that these truths would become living truths, apply truths lived out truths in our lives, in our church life, then we will really be the testimony of Jesus, the golden lampstands everywhere. We will have the strength, the power to execute, to carry out the Lord's commission with us. Jonathan Edwards, you all know, the great preacher from New England in the 1700s, in, in the colonies, the time of the colonies, before uh, the founding of this country, <clears throat> uh, he described how he first contacted the scriptures. So listen to this. He said, the first instance that I remember of that sort of inward sweet delight in God and divine things that I have lived much in since, was on reading those words. 1 Timothy 1.17 Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? You know. As I read these words, or read these words, there came into my soul, as was as, and was as it were diffused through it a sense of, of the glory of the divine being. I kept saying, and as it were singing, over these words of scripture to myself, and went to pray to God that I might enjoy him, him, H-I-M, and prayed in a manner quite different 
from what I used to do with a new sort of affection. I believe he was praying the word. That particular 1 Timothy 1.17. Andrew Murray. How blessed would the inner chamber be. What a power and an inspiration in our worship. If we only took God's word as from himself. Turning it into prayer. And definitely expecting an answer. Turn, you know, this morning I say, the best prayer is to turn God's word as utterance in our petition. That is the highest prayer. Not with your self-created words, but with God's word. He did that. And he also talked about the interaction of God's word and prayer. The word comes from God's heart and brings his thought and his love into my heart. And then the word goes back from my heart into his great heart of love. And prayer is the means of fellowship between God's heart and mine. Yes, that's right. But don't forget, it talks first about the word coming from God's heart. Not just prayer, but God's word. Okay. He said this somewhere. You will have material enough for prayer from the word which the Father speaks to you. This, this is a prayer book. You know, not like the Anglican church prayer book. This is the word of God, the best prayer book. You don't know how to pray, just open and start praying. Hannah, Hannah Smith, the one who wrote the famous book, The Christian Secret of a Happy Life, an inner life sister. If we will take the words of God, listen, that is his revealed truth into our lips and eat it. That is, if we will dwell upon his words and say them, over and over to ourselves. Doesn't it remind you of musing? And thoroughly take in and assimilate their meaning in a common sense sort of way. We shall find that our soul life, our soul is fed and nourished by them and is made strong and vigorous in consequence. Wow. Dwelling on the word and saying them over and over again to ourselves. That's pretty weird. George Mueller. I began therefore to meditate on the New Testament from the beginning early in the morning, when thus I have been for a while making confession or intercession or supplication or have given thanks. I go on to the next words or, or verse, you see. He's praying the word, turning all as I go on into prayer for myself or others as the word may lead to it, but still continually keeping before me that food, that is the word, for my own soul is the object of my meditation. You see this very living, flexible process. You know, I think today a lot of our so-called morning revival time is severely restricted only to one way. 
we do not have the rich and flexible and inclusive experience in our time with the Lord. Actually, I would like to tell you, that time that we spend with the Lord is not just a time of vitalization, you know, of revival. Let me tell you, that is actually a time of worship. Worship. You remember the lady, the immoral woman in John 4? You remember that. Eventually, he drank the living water. Am I right? And he ran into town, etc., etc. And there, the discussion between him and her and the Savior was one of worship. You say, she said, that you should worship on this mountain. We say we should worship on this mountain. What do you say? The Lord says, it's not this mountain, it's not that mountain. The Father is still seeking the true worshipers. And the true worshipers worship not here, not there. They worship God, who is the Spirit, in spirit and in reality. That means the place is not physical. The place is our human spirit. That means the sacrifices we offer in our worship is not the bulls and the goats anymore, but it is Christ, our reality. So this is the way we should worship. And then, after that thing, you know, and after some more, the Lord worked on her and exposed her, this and that, and eventually he drank the living water. Brother Lee made the strong point that that drinking, you know, this lady drinking Jesus as the living water was her worship to the Father. The father got a huge worship that day from this immoral lady by drinking Christ. When you and I have a proper time with the Lord, I tell you, we are revived and vitalized. And God is also satisfied and worshipped. And in this worship, You cannot confine God. I mean, how about, brothers and sisters, every morning you are ready for an exploration, for another experience of Christ that you never had. How about that for a morning revival? And not still doing the same thing, you know, the gray box, and then the the white box, and then whatever whatever else. And then you close the book. I did the morning revival. Not one bit revived. You just got more information about the four living creatures or about whatever it is. You see what I'm saying? I'm not down on that book. That, that book has been marvelous. Has kept the churches, supplied the churches for decades now. The holy word for the morning revival. So I'm not on that. I'm talking about you and I have fallen into a kind of rut, a very prescribed way. You can never put God in a box. So here with with George Mueller, he is reading, he is praying, then he may be petitioning, then he comes back to the word again, and maybe at a certain point he has a praise, and maybe at another time he has a song. Not that he's trying to be have a variety show, 
but it is, he is just in the Spirit, following the Spirit, and truly enjoying the Word. Dear, dear, dear brothers and sisters, no wonder many of us dread morning revival. Like, do I have to really do it? I mean, do I really have to be revived? Can't I go on living like this? Not really missing the point. Missing that touch. Some of us even could be serving once. Serving once. But unrevived. And the burden gets heavier and heavier and heavier. Even the serving ones, even elders... need a change, may need a change. Spurgeon. Now this guy really knows how to speak, okay? Listen to this. He say, it is a great thing to pray oneself into the spirit and marrow of a text. You know, this is breaking the bones to get to the marrow. Working into it by sacred feeding thereon, even as worms bores its way into the kernel of the nut. How about that? Pretty descriptive, huh? I mean, you are a worm now. You need to... Uh, borrow, burrow your way into the nut to get that, to get that, whatever. <laughs> the kernel of the nut. Prayer supplies a leverage for the uplifting of ponderous truths. New veins of precious ore, now he's turning to another, another analogy of mining, will be revealed to your astonished gaze as you quarry. Now he's talking about quarrying, mining, God's word, and use diligently the hammer of prayer. You want to crack that nut? You want to get mine those, those treasures? Use your hammer of prayer. You need, a, you need a jackhammer. You need a big one, right? You, you need to go like that. You, 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 you say, oh, I'm here to mine. I'm ready. Your, your hammer is that big. What will you get? Nothing. You need to bring. You forgot your hammer at home. You forgot. The air supply, am I right? The thing that will, in fact, you need some explosives to blow up the word. Whoa, I tell you, all the gold and diamonds will be flying all over the place. Dear saints, we don't have this attitude. We just, oh, I have to hold morning revival. What a bummer, you know. Why do they have to put up these thick books like this, you know? Ah, why won't they leave us alone? You, you don't have the taste. You, you don't know what's there. You don't know the gold and silver hiding. You, 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 you are a worm that, that, that's lazy. You know, you're a lazy worm, you know? You, you don't care to burrow. This is the word of God, brothers and sisters. It awaits us. 
Use prayer as a boring rod. Prayer as a boring That is the exercise of our spirit as a boring rod. And wells of living water will leap up from the bowels of the word. I love Spurgeon. (laughs) Who will be content to thirst when living waters are so readily to be obtained? But only to that person who has the right attitude and the exercise. Finally, Griffith Thomas, the great theologian from the last century, from the 1800 to the 1900, an American, I think. God's word is the fuel for our prayer. As we open the page in the morning, the promises prompt us to prayer. The examples incite us to prayer. The warnings urge us to prayer. The hopes of glory stirs us to prayer. Everything in the portion taken for our meditation can be turned into prayer. Depend upon it. Hiding God's word in the heart is the secret of prayer. And the reason why our prayer life is so weak and barren is that we do not know God through his word. So I think... This is plentiful uh, examples and cases of great men of God who found the same thing, basically, from their search, from their experience. You go and Google and find this track by uh, Mueller called Soul Nourishment First. Google that and find it. That track tells of his search. He did not know this way of praying the word, to be with the Lord in the morning in his earlier years. He just prayed, and eventually he found out the prayer was dry. He could not sustain just prayer. But then he found out he has to go to the word and pray the word and get his soul nourished first. And out of that nourishment, he was able to pray. And fulfill his ministry. You know he was the king of faith. The prince of faith. Opened up many many orphanages. Right? All right, Brothers and sisters. Almost. If I have done this. My burden is discharged. What time is it? Oh. My goodness. I think I better not get on. To studying the word. And leave it till tomorrow. Then you say, well, we'll be missing one, one message on speaking the word. Well, don't worry about it. Uh, uh, make sure you get the word in first. huh? Amen. Then we talk about the outflow. The inflow is the most important thing. All right, we still have 10 minutes. How about, please come up, and in short time, 30 seconds each, how about that? A good number of you can share something. Respond to this word, all right? And say something to encourage all of us. Amen.